Alright, so uh, the, the topic I wanted to do today is not really a shayla that anyone ever asked me, but um, I thought it was an interesting story. You're familiar with the Adire HaTorah event that happened in Lakewood? I'm mean, not in Lakewood, in Philadelphia, but put on by the Lakewood Yeshiva. So for those not familiar, because I see some people are not familiar, some are, um, BMG, which is... Um, my, well, my daughter participates in a program called Base Medrash for Girls, and she's like, I went to BMG today. I'm like, no, you didn't. Uh, BMG is uh, Base Medrash Kavoa, the Yeshiva in Lakewood with like 8,000 students, right? So um, there are a lot, a lot of guys learning in the cold there. And um, until recently, they were getting paid $400 a month, which is, you know, not a whole lot of money, especially if you want to eat or have shelter or whatever. So uh, there was a... Um, a very big uh, philanthropist who got all of his chevra together and decided to raise a tremendous amount of money last year to raise all of the Kolo guys in Lakewood from $400 a month to $1,000 a month, which is a pretty significant raise, and that's a lot, a lot of Kolo guys. And in order to celebrate, and he, he wanted that, uh, that it shouldn't just be a raise, but it should be a raise in stature, a raise in like the sense of kavod, Covered uh, Torah for the people that dedicate their lives to learn Torah with such mysterious nefesh, um, you know. So he he arranged this massive event last year was the first one. This year was the second one. A massive event um, with they rented out um, the basketball stadium in Philadelphia, um, you know, uh, where the Sixers play. I think I think that's where it was, and they because that's closest to Lakewood, right? It's a lot further to get to like, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, UBS Arena, you know, from Lakewood than it is to, so they rented that out and they had 20,000 people there and they just made like this celebration of Torah and it was like a big Kiddushem Shemayim, it was a beautiful event, so they did the second annual um, event this past year and they invited Russia Yeshiva from you know, all the major, well almost all the major Yeshivas no one from my yeshiva was right, but okay, they invited they invite from, from almost all the major yeshivas, and like they and they brought in people, big speakers from Eretz Yisrael, and a band, a Hasidish band, and whatever. It was this whole huge, huge event. So one of the big people that they brought in was Mayor Tzvi Bergman. How many of you are familiar with this story? What happened? Nobody? Okay, so Mayor Tzvi Bergman is like a 95-year-old uh, uh, huge Talmud Chacham from Eretz Yisrael. He's a son-in-law of Rav Shach. Like, uh, you know, this, he, he was a chavrusa with the Chazanish or something for like uh, several years. Like a very, very, someone who's had very unique uh, experiences and is an, an enormous Tamil Chacham. 95 years old, not easy to travel. They brought him in from Eretzvah. He was going to speak to the event. He was going to be mechazek them. That was the plan. Rav Eretzvi flies in for the event. Um, right after he lands, he gets word that his son, 70 years old, in Eretz Yisrael, um, his son, Rav Israel Bergman, passed away. So now he's in America, his son is in Eretz, his deceased son is in Eretz Yisrael, so obviously his natural inclination is he wants to fly back to Eretz Yisrael. Problem is, his doctors tell him, you're 95 years old, you just flew on a plane, it's going to take too much out of you, you cannot fly back to Eretz Yisrael. You're here, you're in America now, you're going to sit Shiva in America. So he's going to sit Shiva in Lakewood, New Jersey. Problem is, I mean, other than the fact that he lost his son, the, the, the uh, practical problem as far as this event is concerned was that it, it falls out during his shiva. So his shaila was, should he go to the event anyway, even during shiva, while sitting shiva, should he go to this event and speak and speak at the event? So that was like what immediately came up. 
Now, Rameir Tzvi Bergman doesn't need to ask uh, anybody Shailas. He could pass him his own Shailas, right? He's, uh, he's perfectly uh, capable of paskiming his own Shailas. Um, so uh, what, what was surprising is that soon after that, a Psak Halacha written by Rav Simcha Bunim Kohn, um, supposedly in consultation, it said, I think, with Rabin Sion Cook, uh, was put out that says Rameir Tzvi Bergman should go to the event. And he should still speak at the event with certain guidelines, with certain restrictions. And that was publicized in all the from websites, Yeshiva World News and Vasas Nayas and whatever. I assume, I don't know, I only saw it on one of them, but I assume it was on all of them, right, and Matzav and whatever, right? So in all the from websites that Rav Sumcha Bunim Kohn had, uh, had, had given such a, such a psak. Who is Rav Sumcha Bunim Kohn? Oh my gosh, you guys, guys got to know this. Rav Sumcha Bunim Kohn, you ever see the book The Shabbos Kitchen? The Shabbos Home, The Sanctity of Shabbos, The Radiance of Shabbos, right? All of those books, Children in Halacha. Um, you know, he's got, he's got a lot, a lot of the English Sarm in Halacha um, that are put out by, by Art Scroll, and they're fantastic. His, uh, if you, I always tell people when they, when they ask for advice on how to learn Bishul the Shabbos, it's a very complicated sugi. You have to learn a few Simanim and Shulchan Aruch that are really hard. And if you just learn with the Mishabrura um, straight, and that's how you try to learn it, it's gonna, there's a lot you won't understand even just to become familiar with the concepts. So I always tell people, first read the Shabbos Kitchen beginning to end with the footnotes because it's super clear, it's laid out perfectly. It's like, then, then you go back and learn the Mishabura and then you'll understand what the Mishabura is talking about once you have that incredible hekif of, uh, of what all the terminology means and what, uh, you know, and what, what the basic halachas are. So Simchavon Rukon is a big posek in Lakewood, basically. So his psak was that Rameir Tzvi Bergman should go. I don't know what the story was. It's hard for me. I don't know how old Rasim Kabunim Khan is. My guess is like 65, probably. It's hard for me to imagine that 95-year-old Ramey Tzvi Bergman is asking 65-year-old, as big as Rasim Kabunim Khan is, and he is big, it's hard for me to imagine that Ramey Tzvi Bergman was asking Rasim Kabunim Khan is Shaila. Um, so I'm not sure exactly how that played out. And then the plot thickened even further. Um, Ramey Tzvi Bergman went to the event. He spoke. <laughs> People found it extremely inspiring. He doesn't even speak English, but he, he practiced a, a couple of lines to say in English uh, at the end. Um, he wanted to be mechazek, uh, single girls who were having trouble finding a shidduch, and he had some divrei chizik for them at the end, and people in the Lakewood community were overwhelmed with inspiration from, uh, from the fact that he thought of doing that and that he, that he went out of his comfort zone to say it in English so that everybody should understand is Divrei Chizik, and uh, it was very beautiful. Then, um, Rav Yitzchak Luchnesin. Who is Rav Yitzchak Luchnesin? Rav Luchnesin's son, yes. In, uh, in, 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 some, in some circles, uh, Rav Luchnesin is Rav Yitzchak Luchnesin's father. But yes, for us, he's Rav Luchnesin's son. Um, Rav Aaron Luchnesin, of course, was the Roshiva in Kush, was Roshiva in Yeshiva University, and was a Gon Adir, was an incredible, incredible genius Probably, uh, you've probably never met anyone smarter than Ravan Lichtenstein. Um, you know, I, it's hard to imagine that there was anyone ever smarter than that. Like, just an incredible, incredible genius. And it's sadic. Uh, sometimes his genius was so overwhelming, people lose sight of his uh, tzidkos. So anyway, he has a number of sons uh, and daughters, and they're all wonderful, and they're all uh, very accomplished. Uh, one of his sons, Rav Moshe Lichtenstein, is currently the Rashiva in Gush. But one of his sons, Rav Yitzchak Luchnesin, went a little further right, um, you know, and learned in Brisk and became, and is now Rashiva in Torvadas, 
so he's, uh, he's a real brisker, a very um, significant Talmud Chacham. And Rav Yitzchak Lichtenstein, currently Rashiva in Tarvadas. Tarvadas, I think, has four Rashi Yeshiva, but uh, he's, he's one of them. And he, uh, he says a shir to like, very high level guys, Kolo guys, and you know, guys, I think there were like 120 guys in the shir. He has his own base medrash there in Tarvadas. Um, so he wrote a, and he's not, he generally doesn't get involved in Psakalacha at all. Um, but he wrote a five page tshuva explaining why he disagrees with Rasam Chabun Kohn and he thinks Rav Meir Bergman uh, should not have been allowed to go during Shiva to the Adiri Torah event. So, uh, so I, I, I wanted, I, I found that letter to be fascinating, not only in terms of the halacha that he talks about, but in terms of how halacha plays out and how halacha is decided. Um, None of it, n- not Rosh Hashanah, not Rav Luchasin, and not anything I'm going to say, is to question Rav Meir Bergman's ability to make his own decisions as a gadol and as a significant uh, gon and tzaddik. I'm sure he uh, made his own decision, and he has every right to make his own decision, but it's an interesting sugi in halacha to see, like, have you ever heard of anybody during Shiva going anywhere? Right? meaning going anywhere other than to sleep in a different house, maybe sometimes. I once had a situation where I, not, not that I had a situation, thank God, but I, I remember once Rav David Willig from, uh, from DRS um, was sitting Shiva when his son got married. So he left the Shiva house to go be at his son's wedding. So I had a child's wedding. That's maybe one exception, and even then with, with, with certain restrictions. But it was almost surreal, like someone... In Shiva, at the wet, like hard to imagine. We've never heard of anyone during Shiva going anywhere uh, in the middle of Shiva. So, what exactly was the discussion over here? So, I, it's a it's an interesting sugi and halacha, and it's interesting to see how it played out. The way Rav Simchat Khan sent the letter, his letter said, "Okay, there are six guidelines for Rav Bergman. Number one, he has to remain in a separate, closed-off section. He can't be together with the twenty thousand people all in the same section. Number two. He can sit in a regular chair. He doesn't have to sit on a low shiva chair. Number three, he can give brief divrei chizik and musr, meaning not a shear of Torah, but divrei chizik and musr, just a, you know, a shot in the arm kind of thing. Number four, when he walks in, they shouldn't play music and sing, because normally if someone like that would walk in, obviously the band would get going, and the whole place would sing, you know, it would be a whole, or uh, and all those things. They shouldn't do that. They could just announce that he's arrived for Kavadat Torah and everyone will stand up for him. Number five, after the drasha, he will leave right away, meaning he's going to say his piece and then he'll be out. He's not going to stick around for the, uh, for the whole thing. And number six, if possible, he should begin his drasha by saying that since the event is a very important one to be mechazik p'nei Torah, it's mutter for him to take part even during Shiva. Right? That was uh, the guidelines. Now, um, the first thing that Rav Luchensin was upset about, um, Rav Luchensin essentially writes, I'm translating to English, he wrote the whole thing in Hebrew, is that he doesn't get involved in Allah and Maisa, but, uh, I'll read some of it in Hebrew, I'm going to leave my normal comfort zone, because this is a very public matter. He says, I'm really concerned that people are going to learn from this, from this event. What are people going to see? What are they going to learn? You're allowed to go places during Shiva. You know, if it's a big deal. Look, I'm not going to go during Shiva's stam to go to the Yankee game. 
but a Yankees playoff game, you know, maybe for that. You know, who knows what people are going to think when they see someone goes into a stadium of 20,000 people during Shiva. People are going to be nikshal in the future. So especially since many people at the event don't know anything about halacha, and they're not going to realize that it's not a simple heter. So they don't know, you know, exactly what what um, you know uh, factors went into this psak. Furthermore, uh, and this I found um, to be very much on point, Rav Luchensin writes that when you give a psak like that, it was never the derech of poskim. Uh, when writing a tshuva, to just give guidelines. We ever open a Nigris Moshe? What does Ramosha do? He explains the whole sugya, and he explains all of his thinking, and he explains why this is what the Shulchan Aruch says, and this is what the Nosei Kalim say, and this is why I think we pass him this way, and this is the way to analyze this and that. That's not what Rasim Chavun Mekon did over here. All he did was, here are the rules, period. Without explaining what halacha is it based on, where do we, you know, why do you think there's room to be makil? What would the issue be in the first place? I mean, you normally have to give a so so. Luchensin took offense to that. He says, when giving a pesach like this, you need to explain your sources. You didn't. His letter was written to Rav It was not written to Rav Bergman, right? He wouldn't have the chutzpah to attack Rameir Svi Bergman or to, uh, you know, because his, his letter was sort of some who wrote the tshuva. So he says, where are the sources? So he says, even, meaning, what's the the the, um, the, the normal way things play out? If you have a big chiddush in halacha, so you write up, let's say Rav Moshe was asked, I don't know, what, what famous tshuva do you know about from Rav Moshe Feinstein? Let's take an example. Any famous tshuva you know from Rav Moshe? There are a lot of them. Chal of Yisrael, excellent example. So let's say Rav Moshe Feinstein is going to be matir, what he calls Chal of HaCompanies, right? He came up with this concept that there's Chal of Akum, there's Chal of Yisrael, and there's Chal of HaCompanies, right? And Chal of HaCompanies is, uh, companies is an English word, is, uh, is, is Chal of Yisrael. That's Rav Moshe's big chiddish, huge chiddish. So what does he do? He writes a whole tshuva explaining, and then if you want to argue with Rav Moshe, you can write a tshuva back because you know exactly what he was thinking. You know how he factored in the prichadash and the chazanish and how he came to that conclusion about chalva companies and edus yedia versus edus reiya. Okay, a good topic for a different time. But you know exactly how he got there. You know what he what he what he was thinking. So you can write a tshuva if you're a chasidish posik, let's say you're a chabad posik who rejects such a heter, and uh, you insist on Chal of Yisrael, even if you live in, uh, you know, in Nebraska, you, you insist on Chal of Yisrael, so you could explain why you hold that way, and you could deal with it. Rav Luchensin said, what am I supposed to do? I can only respond to what I can guess Rav Simcha Bunim Khan's reasons are, but I can't respond to what his actual reasons are, because I don't know. He never explained what his reasons are. So I found that to be a very interesting thing, just in terms of the way Halach is expressed. What would the heter be in this case? Like, why, why would someone... Well, I, I guess let's start before that. What's the issue? What's the issue? I mean, why doesn't everyone in Shiva just go to wherever they want? Go to work, go to ball games, go uh, to weddings, go... So, the, yeah? You're a mourner. And when one is sitting Shiva... Now, there are different levels of mourning. There's Shiva, there's Shoshim, there's Beit Chodesh. When one is sitting Shiva, you're not even allowed to leave your home. 
So under the cover of darkness at night, if, you, if there's not enough bedrooms in a house that you're sitting Shiva in, so you can go and sit somewhere else. Or if you need to move in the middle of Shiva because they're sitting the first five days in uh, Tinek and the last two days in the five towns or whatever, right? Okay, fine. So they, 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 they're in transit for some amount of time. Or Kavura was in Israel and they're coming back to America to sit Shiva, so they're on a plane. Okay, but typically speaking, you're not even allowed to leave your house. And, and, and certainly, um, you're not allowed to learn Torah. You're not allowed to teach Torah, right? All of that is included in the Yisr. So there is a Gemara in, where do we find all the halachas of Avelus, which is What? Maid Katan. The Gemara in the third paragraph of Maid Katan um, talks about the halachas of Avelus and the halachas of, of Cherem Shanta and Nidor. Cherem Shanta and Nidor are different types of uh, curses on a person that the person should die. And uh, there are various ways that a person who's put in Cherem, uh, various halachas that he has to be nohig. The, all those halachas are the the guy observing avelus on himself. That's that's the concept uh, behind it. It's very interesting. So that, so all the halachas of avelus are are in the third paragraph of Katan. So Ma'ikatan Daf Chafal Alf it says when it's rabim tzrichem lo it's mutter, meaning if a person is needed to teach Torah and the masses can't get by without him, it's mutter. But even then, the Gemara says, you should do it with a little bit of a shinoi. Now, what would be an example of Rabbim Tzrichimlo? Who, who, who can say, you know, you know Rosh Hashanah often uh, says that, that people very often have an elevated, um, um, exaggerated sense of their own importance. Like, uh, I, always, I always give as an example, seniors in high school. Like, every senior class in high school is like, How's the school going to survive without us? We were just like the most awesome senior class ever. Like this school, like the school will be fine. <laughs> you know, there have been many senior classes before you that are just as impressive. You know, <laughs> like they'll be okay, right? Um, so people often have like uh, this elevated sense of like, oh, if 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 I, you know, a lot of people don't make aliyah because like if I leave America, then American Jewry is going to fall apart, right? Meaning like what's going to be what's going to be with all the yidden in America if I leave uh, if I leave America? And you know. Shachter often says that the cemetery is full of indispensable people. You know, uh, the world moved on anyway. You know, even uh, even after. So a lot of times people people can say, "Oh, I'm a rabbim tzrichemlo." So who actually is a rabbim tzrichemlo? I, I don't know who, who is. Yeah. Right. So sometimes, so it, not just the Babajar Rebbe. There are a lot of people. Salvatic didn't make aliyah. Rav Shachter didn't make aliyah. There are a lot of people. And 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 the uh, the argument the Chassam Sofer writes um, in in the Tshuva, I think, to one of his Talmidim that if you're you know in that time they were fighting the reform movement. Now we're fighting intermarriage and we're trying to inspire, keep people connected and inspired in a meaningful way to Talmud Torah and to Avodas uh, Hashem. So at that time, fighting the reform movement. He said that the, he gave the mashal of a captain abandoning the ship, that a captain can't abandon the ship. Um, so, the, you know, so I don't mean to make light of people's importance. There are very chashvar that are doing very important work that may be a very good reason why they need to be in chutzlars and can't be in Eretz Shal. But the point is, like, how do we define Rabin, Rabin Srikhanlo? So, uh, the Ramah writes in Yaradeus in Shinpei Dalid, that you could pass an isr to someone who asks you a shayla if there's no other posik, right? Meaning, let's say that that would be an easy example of tzrichim that 
that someone has a, a, a shayla that came up, and there's no one else that can pass on the shayla. You're the only rabbi in town. So there's no one else that knows how to pass him. So of course, in such a case, that would be called tzrichim lo. The Orach HaShulchan writes, a melami tinokos. What's a melami tinokos? Well, tinokos tino doesn't mean baby in this context. It means children, a teacher of young children. A teacher of young children. Um, what do you mean, teacher of young children? That's Ram Shrikhalo. Get a different, get a sub. So, you've ever been in a classroom when a sub walks into a classroom? Right? Meaning it's not exactly the same, right? Meaning one could argue that with a sub, no one's learning. With a regular teacher, someone's learning. At what age does that end? Where, where do we say that, you know, having a sub is no longer going to be a bitl Torah? <laughs> it doesn't end, right? Meaning you're in Yeshiva's Neretz Yisrael, right? And uh, who's here with you in this past year? Does the first go recruit in America? So reversal goes to recruit in America for a week. Is it the same? No, nah, it's not the same. Even even the very Khashva guys in Vasar, it's not the same uh, when when the Rebbe's away for uh, for a week. I'll tell you this past year, a couple of months ago, Rabbis Willig were sitting Shiva for their sister, um Chava Willig Levi, who uh, passed away. And uh, I went to when I went to be Menachem Avel, Rav Mordechai Willig Shlita, Ramu, turned to his brother, Rav David Willig Shlita. And he said, um, David, you're allowed to say shir. Because, oh, how did the conversation come up? Because I was there, and Rav David Willig is probably the most dedicated Rebbe I've ever seen uh, in terms of just like making sure that, that to stay connected to the Talmud and making sure that there's always learning. On the plane to bur- toward burying his sister, he was texting me, can you give shir Monday while I'm sitting shir? He was like texting different rabbis to sub for him that wouldn't be Bittal Torah for his shir. On the plane, that's what he was thinking about, on the plane, to, toward burying his sister. So, uh, so, Rabbi David Wilgen mentioned, oh, uh, Rabbi Leibowitz is giving shir to my, to my Talmidim um, this week. So, Mordechai Wilgen said to him, you could probably give shir also this week. Because you're Melami Tinokos. Rabbi Mordechai Wilgen said, I can't, because my Talmidim probably learn better without me than they do with me, which obviously is not true. But, you know, he's saying they'll learn anyway. He's teaching Kololelion guys in YU, the most motivated and brilliant Talmidim that we have in the whole yeshiva, right? But, uh, but Rabbi Dabu Wilgen's teaching high school seniors. So obviously, without, so he says, you, you could say Shia this week. He says, we would never do that. We would never do that. But La Halacha would be Mutter. So I, I found that to be a very important statement. We would never do that. Meaning, have you ever in your life heard of a first grade, second grade, tenth grade Rebbe in the middle of Shiva going and saying shir in Yeshiva? You've never heard it. Meaning, even though, technically speaking, it might be mutter, we've never heard of such a thing. So even though this, you know, one could argue and one would imagine that part of the Pesach was that this was Rabin Srichem, though, you should see, and, and in that sense, from strictly a halachic perspective, it's not really such a groundbreaking psak because it, it's, it's on the books that Rabin Srichem Lo is mutter, as long as you have certain modifications and don't do it in exactly the same way you otherwise would have done it. Mara says you have a and whatever. You do it in a way that's a, light, a little bit different, um, but to actually do it is groundbreaking. Meaning to actually, halacha lemaisa to do it is groundbreaking. Why is that the minute? I guess because we didn't want the slippery slope of everyone trying to figure out who Robin Srikhamlo is, and because we didn't want people doing other things thinking, oh, so you see, it's not such a big deal. So let me tell you what Rabbi Yitzhak Lichtenstein said. He had basically a, 
what do I have? A 15-point tshuva, but I already went through the first two points with you. So point, right, first point was, he doesn't get involved in the Lachal but he's afraid this is going to be a Mikshal Rabin. Point number two was, you got to explain your sources when you write a tshuva. Point number three, the Gemara Moit Katan says that the Yisra, uh, teaches about the Yisra to learn and says that Rabbi Yossi darshaned all day in Sipori when his son died. And the Gemara says, Im hayu, nimna. You just have to do it with a little bit of a shinoi. And Rabbi Luchasin says, I'm assuming this is the basis of your hetar, even though you didn't say so. Point number four, we need to think about how to define Rabbim Srichim Lo. The Ramah says that you can paskin, but you can't teach halacha to Talmidim. The Ramah says, our mingles, we don't teach Torah. There is genuine benefit in Rebbeim teaching Torah to Talmidim, and we're still not machmir because other people can teach them. So says Rav Luchasin, "In kein nira pashut, do adin b'kaldi menatara Joshua shel chizuk tavikal v'chomer mirav l'talmidav." Meaning, what's going to be if if Rav Bergman doesn't come to this event? How much less Torah is there going to be at this event? Probably no less Torah will be at this event. They'll put they'll plug in another big person to speak. Every Rashi in the world is going to be there, and everyone there is thirsting for the for for the chizuk and the Torah. So probably no less Torah. So Rav Luchasin argues, is this going to be any? This is. Uh, uh, a, 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 any better than, uh, than than a Rebbe with his Talmidim, where a Rebbe with his Talmidim is not allowed to go? And he says, You can have someone else do it. Is kama shows. It's many hours. This uh, this asifa. Vika kama darshanim. There are so many darshanim. So it's only a mal yusim agon shlita yidrosh. It's only a maila if, if he's going to darshan. But you can have other people do it, and it's not going to harm anything. Then Lichtenstein writes that the Shach quotes the Chuvus Marshal that little kids are considered Rabbin Srikhamlo because they wouldn't learn with a substitute. But that has nothing to do with our case. These are all Kolo guys and adults and whatever. And then he says the basis of the Ramah that you can be Dorish Barabin but can't say Halachalit Talmidah, the Chainagin, Afal Pishesh Makilin is Rabbin Yeruchim. He says maybe Rabbin Simchabun thought that this qualifies as Dorish Barabin, where some people are Makil. But he says, no, the Orach HaShulchan explains that that only applies to paskining Isr Vahetar or to a Rosh Hashiva with a very unique style that the Talmidim are only going to learn from him and not going to learn from anybody else because they're used to only his style of teaching. Right? You try to get a guy who learns Barav Rosenzweig to uh, go hear a shir from someone else, he just doesn't connect because he's so used to such a unique uh, style of teaching. Seven, point number seven, he says, even the Hetar of Ein Sham Elohu might only apply to little kids. Not, it might not go on the whole Lidrosh Barabin. And he says, nowadays, he doesn't have to leave the house, just do a video hookup. It's not so clear that he could be Yotzei Mipesach Beisach. Forget about darshaning. How's he allowed to even leave the house? Furthermore, point number nine, according to this Psak, even um, every Ram in Yeshiva should say Shir during Shiva. But no one's ever done that. The Chazanish allowed Ramim to teach during Shiva, but that was for very young kids. And we can't paskin based on some Maisa Rav of the Chaznish. Bottom line is, lo nahagu kein. This has never been the minhag. Point number 10, the Mechaber says he has to have an extra maturgaman. And even though the Ramah says, o yidrosh ba'atzmo, that he could say it himself, he's just adding to the words of the Mechaber, um, as if to say, ubulvad maturgaman o yidrosh ba'atzmo, meaning you can't have a normal maturgaman or darshan yourself. You have to do something with a, uh, with a shinui. So, uh, so without doing it with a significant enough shinoi, it's going to be a real, a real problem. And he says, the Lashon of the Gemara is, Im Rabbim Shrichim Lo Eino Nimna, 
which implies that there's no chiyuv for him to teach, just that he doesn't have to turn down the opportunity to teach. And then he goes on and on, we're, we're running out of time, but at the end of the day he says, because he goes on to say that it's not just stam, a place to teach Torah. There's music, there's dancing, there are concessions with kosher food. It's a party. The whole thing is a huge party. You're going to allow someone during Shiva to go to a huge party? So uh, others took offense to that. It's not a party. It's not a sifa of Kavanah Torah. This not. But there was, I saw the videos, music, dancing, food. You know, it's not like they were serving a suda, but there were concessions, like there are in every stadium, so, where people brought uh, their Jews, so they brought their own uh, pekalach, you know, right? So, uh, so, so, so he says, how can you allow someone to go into a base of simchol, lidrush b'divitor, l'fnei revovos, in front of tens of thousands of people? V'lo eda lomelei l'malus kavodo shlita l'chapei seterim. I don't know why you need to go looking for a terim. V'lo mikri beis ha what they're going to say that it's uh, that, that, that it's that it's a base of mission that it's not a base of mission and look for a terim. You have to admit that uh, that that that, that even if it is Ram Shrichamlo, we have technologia. He could be Dorish Mibeso. The Gam Efshim Bakrini, they can find a different rabbi. Ubaprati din Ram Shrichamlo who rakte in nimna vlakhiv. I asked Rav Shakta what he thought about this. Um, so right off the bat he said it's Ram Shrichamlo, he's allowed to do it. So I said Really? Uh, they, they, they have a four-hour program, all these darshanim, and, you know, this is one of the Gedolei Torah that's going to be there. He's, I said, my impression was he's only speaking for a couple of minutes. So he said, oh, if he's only speaking for a couple of minutes and it's a four-hour event, then it's probably not Rabbi Shrikhamol, then probably he's not allowed to do it. So yeah, I get different reports of exactly what happened. Supposedly he spoke for like a half hour, and that people thought it was, and that this is not the kind of thing where they could just easily substitute someone else in because there's no one else that's son-in-law of Rav Shach. There's no one else that had such a shaykhus with the Chazanish. Meaning there's no one with that kind of pedigree that was going to be there, that was going to be able to, uh, you know, uh, interestingly, probably the most miyuchas Rosh Hashiva in the world today is Rav Yitzhak Wuchnesin, uh, on both sides, his wife's family also. But, uh, but, but leaving that aside, there's no one with that kind of pedigree, that, like, like, like Rav Bergman. Certainly... The impression I got from Rav Shechter is that if uh, it were, let's say, Rabbi Friend at the Siemashas, that would be Rabbi Srikhamlov. Meaning, you ever been to a Siemashas? If you ever go to the Siemashas, there's probably one speech you'll remember, and that's Rabbi Friend's speech. The rest of them are nice, they're fine, some in Yiddish or whatever, but like, the only one that really makes an impact, like the most significant and lasting impact is Rabbi Friend. And there's no one else. There's no one else that could do it like he does it. So if it, you know, I think like that's what it boils down to. Is this going to create something that's so unique and so different and so inspiring that like it's just there's no one else? Then it would be Rabin Srikhamo. If it's not, <clears throat> then it's hard to call it a situation of Rabin Srikhamo. Okay, everyone have a wonderful Shabbos and we'll uh, meet again on Sunday. No, Monday. Sunday is visiting there. Monday. That's a Shabbos.